You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. checked out the new Hyundai Elantra. How was it? I have to say, it was a pretty smooth operator. Are you sure you're talking about a car? <laughs> it's a tech lover's dream. The digital key feature lets you lock and unlock the doors. And get this, with dynamic voice recognition, I can control the temperature, roll down the windows, and change radio stations just by talking. <laughs> I know you like that. <laughs> you too can talk to the all-new Hyundai Elantra. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Faith Life are the makers of Logos Bible Software and a cloud-based integrated ministry platform which includes ministry tools for worship presentations, online donations, and much more. They have 2 million registered users and are trusted by more than 10,000 churches. Faith Life is hiring full-stack developers and the majority of positions can be worked remotely. They have an average tenure of five years, they have over 200 Glassdoor reviews, averaging 4.7 stars, and it comes with benefits such as a competitive salary and unlimited vacation time. Apply to FaithLife today and write code that matters. Go to faithlife.com forward slash careers. That's faithlife.com forward slash careers. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Angelica, and joining me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Ryan. Say hey, Ryan. Hello. Today, we are discussing episode four of Lovecraft. That's right. We're back, and we're discussing a history of violence, and it was very violent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed this episode for the most part. It was a little slow getting to this adventure, but I did love the whole Indiana Jones and, you know, meets the Goonies, meets Night at the Museum type of feel to it. Um, what about you, Ryan? Yeah, this was this was my favorite episode of the whole series. Um, okay. I will put out there that um, when we get to the Hippolyta stuff, I did appreciate that. So I'll put that out there uh, for people wondering. <laughs> but um yeah with the indiana jones with the music they had me like so i guess it doesn't take much but yeah they had me going like i love this episode um being able to see like our three our three main um our three main actors basically they get to go on this like adventure that you don't always get to see uh, black people go on that like adventure i feel like you don't always get that indiana jones side for black people and certain things right I thought that was like really cool for them to do and they had me going they had me caught up in that so i was just like yep so this is my favorite episode of the series so yeah they had me they got me of the series yeah they had me yeah of the series they had me i don't know like i can't even explain it i guess i'm just a venture nut or whatever like i don't even know how to mm -hmm. explain it but because i know like i said there's gonna be there is so many cool nuggets of wisdom throughout this entire series there's so many other, like, you on your edge of your seat, like, shock daddy on my moments. 
But for some mm-hmm. reason, I don't know, episode four just was like for me, I was just I just love the way they blended um you know the more the more in depth we got in the characters i know there's even more to find out about them and just like the music and everything i don't know i just really liked how they vibe like everything fit together in this episode for me okay cool yeah well my favorite episode which is in about two more episodes is meet me in Daegu. Mm, okay. but you know I'm sure you said this before, like the show has something for everybody. So each episode is kind of like an anthology to me. Um, This is when I realized like, oh, this show is probably going to switch it up every couple of episodes. Yeah, exactly. Um, And that's why when people describe the show, they're like, so what is Lovecraft? And you're just like, so it's like a horror mixed with an adventure, Mm -hmm. but it's historical and there's ghosts and there's magic, but, and there's black people and it's just yeah right yep that's pretty much the whole description that you can pick so many things and i don't know and i guess that's interesting and that's what i love about um two doing these recaps with you i guess it's interesting to see it's so cool to see the feedback because you get one side or the other because it is that show that has so much and you're like some people are like well is it doing too much other people are like oh i love it because it was this one episode or it was this that i like to follow yeah yeah it has everything so some like you said for some people it might be overwhelming it might be a lot it might be doing the most but i i enjoy this series as a whole i mean it's really needed yeah Yeah. um so definitely looking forward to breaking down the rest of the episodes except for that one that we're Mm. both scared of yeah that's that's, yeah that's you guys are gonna love that episode because we're gonna be venting and, and going off a lot (laughs) <laughs> but yeah i really enjoyed this episode i know um i think roughly each episode covers like a few chapters and you've been reading the book so anything to add about this particular episode in comparison to the book yeah like i just i'm just gonna give you guys a quick little like uh summation of this chat of this chapter i guess if you want to call it that like angelica said they kind of match up with how the series is going but you know tv and going from a book world so anyway, this um, for this chapter called um, Abdullah's Book um, is the name of the chapter. You get um, George Montrose because by the because George has a um, a sort of a different path in the book. Like he's not he doesn't disappear on us as quick as he does on the show. Okay, so um, we get a lot of like this one there. They start with looking for the book, um, the Book of Days. Um, basically, their grandmother Montrose and George's grandmother. Um, Ada, who was a slave, she's basically going through this. This book is like an account of all the money she's owed for her slave labor. Like she wants what the universe owes her, which every slave should have should got a big sum of money. We already know this, and probably for. But Reparation. basically, that's what the right. So the, basically, that's what the book is like breaking down for us, and it kind of goes through these generations of or the generations of her daughters trying to get it back for her. Of course, we know how that goes down. She doesn't get it. But what's interesting in a twist, and I think you guys, if you get a chance, if you like audiobooks, it's on audiobook if you want to go back and listen to it and kind of match it up as you're going through with uh, me and Angelica on these recaps. Um, what's cool is that they, George and Montrose go and find this book in like a safety deposit box and it's gone. So they end up having to, they end up having this entanglement with um, Caleb uh, Braithwaite. And so you get to mm. step on this adventure and there's a different set of people that end up at the museum in the book. Um, in a different sort of outcome, like things that happen. So yeah, it's kind of like a different twist from the book and the show. To me, this chapter is like the biggest sort of twist that doesn't exactly mess up with the show. Like they still have the book names in there, but it's like a different interesting kind of spin that I won't ruin in case there's book lovers that want to go listen to it. But yeah, so definitely, yeah, so yeah, definitely go um, go check it out and compare it. But yeah, now that I now that I've discovered audiobooks, I've been getting into the book world a little bit more than I used to because I kind of laid off a little bit because I was like, mm, ain't nobody got time to read all this. But yeah, if you got time to listen to the audiobook, it's good. 
Oh yeah, I love audiobooks. I have an Audible subscription. Um, but I just wanted to go back to your point about Caleb Braithwaite. Mm-hmm. So the differences between the show and the book is that some characters' genders are flipped around, mm-hmm. yeah, and in yeah. this case, Caleb is Christina's counterpart. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, you have all those like different notes that they make as far as going from the book to the show. So yeah, it's crazy. Like I sometimes I don't know how creators and showrunners do it. Cause there's so many like little details and things that you can flip when you're, when you're doing like a book adaptation. So it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then watching the show, I feel like the decision to make Christina, Christina, a woman Mm -hmm. was, was just smart. It just brought a whole Mm -hmm. new layer to her character and, um, you know, a lot of what drives her and we'll, you know, we'll talk about it at the rest of this episode, but a lot of what drives her is the fact that she's a woman in a man's world. Right. Um, so I haven't read the book yet, but I am going to. So it's going to, I just want to do it after I finish these recaps. So my, so my mind isn't like influenced by yeah, the book. Yeah, you're cranking out the, yeah, uh, she's cranking out these killer outlines. So yeah, she got to take it one step at a time. So yeah, that leads me free to, to jump into the, to jump into the book world. But yeah, so yeah, you, you, Angelica, check it out. You guys check it out. But yeah, it's pretty interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm kind of interested to see, considering watching the whole series, how a white guy would translate in the book and what kind of quote unquote villain or um, antagonist or even ally he is in the book versus what Christina does on the show. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a real cool. Yeah, I can't wait. I haven't finished it yet. So I'm wanting to see if he's going to end up as, as bad, you know, if everybody who's seen the whole series knows about Christina. So we'll see. Right. Okay. Well, definitely. Thank you for sharing that tidbit. If you guys are interested, check out Lovecraft Country, which is a book written by Matt Ruff. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely on Audible. Right. Yeah. I don't know if I make it through the paperback. All right. So we're going to get into this episode. My first Lovecraft bite is called Hangover um, because Montrose is an alcoholic. And (laughs) yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much sums it up. Yeah, and we see him for the first time since episode two. Um, this So we're kind of seeing the direct aftermath of Uncle George's death and how it affected him. So he's on his couch and he looks very distraught. He's like beating himself in the head. In the background, you can hear, or it might not have been in his background, because a lot of times I notice on the show, they'll drop um, audio from the past mm-hmm. and it kind of ties into the show so i'm going to say in the background uh, a newscaster is droning about um the cold war so he's saying if the united states fails to proliferate its stockpile of nuclear bombs the barbaric soviet union will wipe out civilized america um and in many ways since they're talking about the cold war which is obviously um a couple decades into the future in comparison to this show or is it a couple decades? No, it's like, it's like, no, it's like maybe a decade into the future. Um, this family is very much in a cold war. Um, Montrose has to essentially choose violence, not to quote Cersei, <laughs> to protect <laughs> his family. So yeah. he has to deploy, <laughs> he has to deploy these nuclear bombs that he has in his arsenal in order to protect his family against this magic. Uh-huh. Um, whereas Tick and company wants to use magic to protect themselves. Montrose is very much against it. Mm. So he's warring with himself. And um, as his newscaster kind of keeps speaking about the Cold War and what Americans need to do to defeat the Russians, um, he opens up a book, which 
is actually one of the the bylaws or the pers- the precepts and the or the law and per- precepts of the law of okay, I'm this is a tongue oh, it is. I'm telling you this is a tongue twister right here. The law and precepts of the order of the ancient dawn. <laughs> Ooh, I'm telling you, there you go. I this one. Yes. Yeah, so he reads a passage from the book, and it's quite interesting. The quote is Adam named, Eve fucked, God brought forth monsters, monsters devoured, God smites Eve. And I'm like, I don't want to be a woman right now. Yeah, like. <laughs> so, yeah, that yeah. Mm. And I was trying to think of how, how that relates back to the order and how much they hate women. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it also in many ways can be, I mean, not to be all like deep, but in many ways it can be compared to childbirth, right? So like Adam names, yeah. names a baby, mm-hmm. him and Eve have sex, mm-hmm. have a child. As a result of that, God brings forth monsters, children, monsters devoured. You know, women die in childbirth, and then Eve is smote. smote oh. What's the what's the past tense of smite? Smoted. smoted. Um, it sounds like <laughs> smoted. Smoted. Eve is smoted. Um, and Eve is you know Eve. God smites Eve. So almost like, I mean, yeah, it is childbirth. Hey, I did not think of, that's interesting. Yeah, I like that twist on. I did not think about that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. As someone that was ripped open to have a baby, yeah, I, I'm I know. Say, yeah, only coming. a mom. That is a great mom perspective. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, George reads. I'm not George. Excuse me. Montrose reads this book, reads the passages, and there's you hear him having like audio flashbacks um, from his past. And for people that have watched the entire series, there's a certain line that he hears in his mind that you will actually tie back to one of the final episodes when it's like, get the switch. Mm-hmm. We don't know if it's him beating a tick. You know, we hear him and speaking with George. George is like, take this and give this to tick, um, I, you know, to protect the family. So actually before George died, he entrusted the book to Montrose to protect the family but in Montrose's mind protecting the family is to get rid of magic yeah right so he burns the book and you're just like dang that could have really helped him out mm-hmm. <laughs> so the next um Lovecraft fight is called Girl Fight oh, love it. um love it right and this opens up and I, this episode was very modern when it came to the music almost yeah. every song Can you imagine that stuff in the 50s the music they were playing I was like wow Right. And every every song that was played in this episode was a modern song or a cover um, of an older song, but with a modern twist. So in mm-hmm. this case, it's Bitch Better Have My Money yes, by Rihanna. Rihanna. By Rihanna. So we see uh, Christina driving her silver foreign whip while Rihanna's blared in the background, Bitch Better Have My Money. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I love, let me tell y'all something. Christina is like... I don't know. She got to be one of my favorite villains. Like, I don't like what she does, but watching her, like, loving to hate her is, is so much fun. Like, that was, she's like, a, I love that scene. She's an awesome character. I really yeah. enjoy her. She's, uh, she's a, she's a thrill to watch on screen. She's fun. Yeah. Um, and so she's driving through the city, you know, with her high beams on. All right. Let me not quote, uh, McMill now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the music says the perfect st- the perfect uh, tone, you know, like she's a bad bitch driving a yeah. Ford whip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, <laughs> so she pulls up to Letty's house and she stops right before the gate. Um, 
she notices that black is etched in and on the sidewalk in chalk with like an arrow so i'm not sure if that's the neighborhood warning people that there's black people there or if letty wrote it i don't know who wrote it but christina notices it and stops and looks at it and goes oh okay and then starts to walk letty immediately opens the door i was like what the fuck are you doing here <laughs> I love I love Letty's like intros to people like when she is pissed like it's so funny. Yeah, Letty likes the cuss. She loves them f bombs. Um, I f- maybe we should you should do like a drinking game. Every time Letty says fuck, you should take a shot. Let me tell y'all, <laughs> you will not make it through these podcasts. And we start this drinking game, y'all not making it. Exactly. So Christina's like, can I come in? And then it immediately slams into the door quote-unquote door looks like she's running into a sliding door but it's actually the protection spell that luddy had cast on the house so nobody with magic can enter Mm -hmm. um so christina actually is like low-key impressed she's like oh who helped you with hiram (laughs) and luddy's like that smug face that smug look on luddy's face that she had you know knowing that christina can't enter it's gone she's like wait a second how did you the money it was you you bought this house and i love christina's face it's so sheepish she's just like yep it was me (laughs) i thought that was cute (laughs) um so she basically is like okay so you gave me the money for this house you want something in this house and it has something to do with tick and christina's Mm -hmm. like look don't let the men fool you into thinking it's always about them his blood may be special, but it's not really that special. It's only special because Titus spelled it that way. So, you know, the reason why the blood is important is because of Titus's spells. Um, and she's like, you know, his blood ain't special enough to help him get away with murder. And Luddy's like, what? And Christina's like, you didn't know? He tried to shoot me this morning. And... <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a weird exchange, and Luddy's just like, okay, and she's like, look, I, if he keeps going down this route, try to shoot white women, um, he's gonna get you killed again, and I don't want that to happen. All I want is what's in the house, Hiram's orrery, and I'll be on my way. That's basically what she's telling her, and Luddy's like, look, you may have paid for this house, but I'm on the deed, okay? So get the fuck off my property. And she shows her the door. She just slams that door in her face and does her little strut off screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love. Like, let me tell you, uh, Lady and Christina, like I just love them. Any of the any of their their scenes, I'm here for. Yes, it's like two powerhouses mm-hmm. going head to head. Hence the girl fight. So I I, I really enjoyed their exchange. Um, they give each other a run for for each other's money. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, so speaking of the orrery, which I've learned to say since our last recap, um, <laughs> Hippolyta is actually the one that took the orrery. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, in the book, it was given to her by Letty, right? But- yeah, yeah. I think, have they did that earlier? I feel like I might be getting to that. But no, actually, yeah, 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 yeah. She gave it to her okay. in the beginning. But yeah, I'm like, see, I'm, see now I'm getting my facts confused because I'm like trying to read a book. <laughs> It's okay. I do a little research. Um, so yeah. So in the book, um, Hip actually was given the orrery on the show. She stole it, which I mean, she got it. She took it from a white guy. So who cares? A white ghost at that. So who cares? Um, <laughs> so Hip, uh, Hippolyta is trying to figure out this orrery. She's calling her dad, who apparently is really good with, with astronomy. And she asked her dad, like, 
since when like what galaxy do you know that has two sons and earlier in the episode just the scene before christina had mentioned that the orrery was just simply a, a model of the solar system so um Hippolyta's father mentions, well, you know, I mean, it's possible. It's, actually, it kind of reminds me of one of these comic books. So, you know, for later down the line, that is an important scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hippolyta's trying to figure this thing out. There's apparently like a Locke to it. And so one of the workers tells her, you know, one thing about Locks is that it always has a key. So you'll figure it out. And you kind of see her staring at it. And we're just wondering, like, what does this thing do? Because it's clearly not a model of the solar system. Because we don't have two suns. So what does it do? We'll find out. Yep. Really will. The Black Girl Nerds podcast will return in just a moment. The Hyundai Elantra is a tech-savvy, smooth operator designed just for you. The Hyundai Elantra is a compact sedan with available class exclusive features like a digital key that unlocks your car with your phone and a 10.25 inch infotainment touchscreen along with dynamic voice recognition that will let you control the radio and adjust the temperature with your voice. For the young at heart who like to drive smart, Introducing the Elantra with the most flavor yet. Seamless tech experience that puts your phone at the center of everything you do. Locking, unlocking, and starting your car. Designed for better living without breaking the bank. Learn more at Hyundai.com. Um, and then so as she's looking at this, D stops by, she's with her friends, including Bobo. She's gonna head over to Bobo's house to read some comics. And we get another glimpse of Emmett Till. Um, this time he's wearing a red shirt, but you see him wearing his famous straw hat that he wore in a lot of the pictures that you see of him that are out. Um, so just another hint that this is Emmett Till. Um, and obviously what happens to him is addressed later on in the series. Um, so yeah, so the next Lovecraft bite, we're going to call it research. Um, and I actually quite enjoyed this scene. Um, get Em by Jay Josephine plays as angry Luddy, who's often angry, storms into this library that was super quiet, um, where Tick is reading and researching and he tells her to calm down. She's like, how am I supposed to be calm when there's a white sorcerer's bitch showing up in my house, which she bought for me. And you didn't think it was important enough to tell me when you figured it out. And I was like, oh shit, she has a point. Why um, can't little boy read his book? That's my only part about this thing. Right? Why can't a little boy read his book? Um, so Tick tells her to be quiet. You know, he tried to kill her this morning, but he couldn't because she has invulnerability, which I, which apparently is a spell she took from her father. Um, and they're trying to figure out, like, well, what does all this have to do with Christina? Like, what's all this research has to do with Christina? They have to find a way to stop her, whatever she's up to. Um, so he's looking through these pages, and he's basically trying to tell her that he's trying to locate the whereabouts of the two pages that Hiram stole from the Book of Names. Titus has took these pages and hid them in a vault, but nobody knows where the vault is, and Tick has read all these books and can't come up with a goddamn thing. So Letty's like, okay, well, you need to ask your dad because he probably knew about this. 
And Tika's like, I don't need him. I'm not getting him involved. And she storms off to do her thing. You know how Letty goes. If you tell her no, she'll find a way. And just as she storms off, he looks through the books. And lo and behold, whose name is on the back of the book showing that he checked it out? Montrose Freeman. Um, and actually, do you ever, do you remember getting library books that way? Yeah, I actually thought about that. I was like, man, does that make me old or something? But yeah, I remember like, you have to put your name at the bottom and they had the little cards in there and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Yeah, that, that did bring me back right there. Yep. And you tucked in, put it in the little pocket in the back of the book so you could see who um, checked out the book. Yeah, and it made you mad with the card back in there. Yep. Now you just have library cards. Um, <laughs> but that was cool to see. Um, and so, you know, he's like, shit, when he realizes Montrose knew what happened. And the little cute boy, the little bespeckled boy is like, shh. I'm like, okay. okay yeah, he's you know my man. favorite. I, I gotta be honest. I was looking at this little boy. He's kind of my favorite part of that scene. Yeah, he was. This, this like you said, this episode had a lot of humor in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tick later finds Luddy and Montrose talking in the back of Sammy's bar. Sammy, if you remember, was the gentleman at the back of the bar getting pleasured um yeah <laughs> so there at sammy's bar um montrose is deeply against tick going on this magical treasure hunt he wants no parts he even notices that luddy and tick are sweet on each other and he goes foolish and crazy go well together pioneering and i just i just like that line so also cops think- and robbers was playing when he entered this so i feel like it says a lot about whenever montrose is in the scene i'm just saying Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. This is a cool. This is a cool scene. I just like the little jazz being going back and forth. So I'm guessing in this scenario, uh, Tick is foolish and 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 you know Letty's crazy, which she kind of is. Um, <laughs> like it's a little, just a little. And Letty insists they need to protect themselves. They need to find these pages. Um, and Montrose is like, look, we are the Reds in this situation. Okay. Like we are outnumbered. So actually I take it back. I guess they technically still are in a cold war. I don't know. I'm not the greatest at history when it comes to that time period, but he refers to himself as the Reds or the Soviets. They're outmanned, outgunned, outnumbered, and they're just, they're going to lose this fight. And he refuses to help to kill himself yeah for you know because he knows christina is setting a trap he doesn't know what she's planning but he knows it's no good he doesn't want to send his son into that and they're like well we not gonna stop so you gonna help us or what yeah and montrose well gives in. i was like have you met them you might as well just help them just help them so montrose gives in because he knows everything why send them on a wild goose chase when he could just tell them where this vault is so he's like i think i know where it is so the next scene or the next Lovecraft uh, bite, I'm going to call Power. Um, we're going to kind of step away from the whole adventure and Christina, William, and Ruby get a little bit of shine this episode. So we're going to discuss that whole segment. Um, so we see Christina playing hide and seek for the first time, which I thought was kind of odd. She's a grown woman that's never played hide and seek. Um, <laughs> so that kind of gives you a little light into her childhood. It doesn't appear to be very happy. Um, and she's playing hide and seek with some children and she's approached by police officers from the order. And they are they take her to the lodge, which is ran by Captain Lancaster, who, if you remember, he was the captain from the last episode that basically harassed Letty and warned her to stay away from, from the house. Um, so he wants to know why she's in his city unannounced. So she kind of starts to walk around his office and she notices uh, noises behind a closet, which 
we'll also get to in another episode. Yeah. Um, and she just casually mentioned she's in town. She wanted to talk to Hiram and, you know, get his time machine. So now we know the Ori is a time machine. And Captain Lancaster is none too happy. He's like, so you're just going to tell me to my face that you're going to steal from me and something that's rightfully mine? And she goes, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Did I miss your initial initiation into the order? And the captain's like, well, I must have missed yours. No C words allowed. Um, and I was like, oh, excuse me, sir. Yeah. <laughs> You're using that I word. have a polite uh, conversation. So I guess they're not friends. Right. Not. And he tells her, you're a woman. You're not allowed here. Even if you do find the stolen pages, get out. So she returns home and is followed by, you know, some of his, his, his order members or more cops, I should say. And as she enters the house, William emerges and he beats the crap <laughs> out of these cops. He does not like to be followed. He sends his regards and he tells them, all right, I'm going to be late for a date. Deuces. <laughs> and this and scene I'm- is actually interesting if you know future stuff, but I'm not going to say nothing, but I thought the scene was really interesting. Right. All right. This is... This is, I mean, but at this point, there was already theories that I'm not going to discuss because I don't want to, you know. Okay, so people did have, yeah, I was wondering if people actually had theories, but yeah, I didn't have anything. Like, they got me. When I was going through this the first time, I didn't have anything. So it, it, like, shocked the heck out of me. People had theories. I kind of didn't pick up on it until someone pointed it out. And this scene was, like, the proof that... Mm Of that theory. Right. Um, and in case you're someone that is wa- is watching the show while we're recapping, we're not going to spoil it. We're going to wait until we get to that episode, which is a doozy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so earlier in the episode, Ruby actually heads over to Marshall Fields department store where she wants to be an employee. Um, it's not that great, Ruby. I worked at Old Navy for like three years. Department stores or retail stores aren't that awesome. Just saying. Um, and <laughs> Money by LaKaylee47 plays. And I didn't know the artist for this song, but this song bumps. Like, I love it. Yeah, I didn't know. I also wonder, too, because I was going to ask you, because I know you're big into music and everything. But I was when I was doing some research on it, I found out that she does a lot of her performances like a bandana on her face and everything. So I didn't know if they were trying to, like, add that concealing factor because of the artist does that. You know, because mm-hmm. of stuff we know about Ruby, like, in the future, if you've already watched but it's a possibility. I don't know. Like I was just curious about it, but yeah, I hadn't heard of this artist either. Yeah, well, I heard the song. I just didn't know it was her song. Um, but I do think it set the stage because this is this grand, like what was it, like four story store, right, store, right, and she yeah, had to yeah. get her money. Mm-hmm. Um, so it fit, it fit it fit the scene, but also considering the context of this artist that she wears a mask, um, and a lot of people on the show are hiding behind masks. That makes perfect sense. Nice catch, Ryan. Yeah, I was like, did um, they that on purpose or was I reading too much into it? No, I mean, it's quite possible. That really was another reason why they chose that song. Um, but as she's taken in the glory of the store, she notices another sister <laughs> working in the store. Now, Ruby's like, hold on, wait a second. Let me go over here and talk to this young lady. Well, she actually doesn't talk to her. She starts looking around and the girl approaches her like, hey, can I help you? And Ruby's like, um, you work here? And she's like, yep. I got this job on a whim. I just decided to, you know, look for this job. And here I am. <laughs> and it kind of burst Ruby's bubble. Yeah, because she was, her. 
yeah, like she's aspired to this job. She's been, you know, you know, finishing up her resume. She's been kind of like working towards this. And this chick just walks in one day and gets a job like what? She's not happy. So she leaves. Um, And then eventually we see her singing uh, at Sammy's Bar, Chain Gang Blues, which is actually a song by Ma Rainey. And if you guys aren't aware. That's cool. Yeah. And her her movie, um, Ma Rainey, for people that don't know, she is considered the mother of blues. And Viola Davis actually plays her along with um, Denzel Washington and Chadwick Boseman, one of his final films. It's actually streaming on Netflix now. It's called uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. So if you guys um, want to hear that you, or yeah, watch that, really you can yeah, go check it out. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, go check it out. Um, so yeah, the song is called Chain Gang, Chain Gang Blues by Ma Rainey. And I think... Um, uh, Ruby's cover is is wonderful. Mm-hmm. She she does a great job, but apparently no one else thought it was wonderful. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> at the end, nobody claps. You know, she's singing the blues, singing her heart out, sweating, and nobody claps. And she's like, "Well, fuck you too," and just <laughs> walks over to the bar. So Sammy serves her a drink, and she's like, oh, "I can't, I don't have the money. I can't, you know, I can't afford this." And he's like, "Oh." It's cool, you know, old blue eyes out there at the bar. That's on him. So we see old blue eyes is William, and he is looking good. Not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> he walks over to her and he kind of tries to sweet talk her. And he's like, Can I sit? And she's like, Well, my glass is full. You could do whatever you want. Um, and he kind of tries to hit on her, and she's like, Look, you are not the first white boy that's ever promised me the world. And he's like, What if I told you I could change your life forever? And she's just like, I do not want to be a kept woman. You're not the first person to tell me what I wanted to hear to try to sleep with me. I'm good. I can buy my own drinks. Thanks. And he's just like, Okay, but what if I told you I could keep that promise? Ruby is all ears, honey. All ears. <laughs> yeah, William. William's pretty smooth in the scene. I'm giving that. You know, and, and it's funny because someone else in some, one of the Lovecraft groups I'm in was saying, like, do you notice how William has like a like a like a swag, like a strut yeah. to him whenever he yeah, walks? Yeah, he definitely does. Yeah. You know, he got one hand in his pocket all the time. And he's just kind of like floating when he walks. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, he's right, trying to bring William. the game. Yeah, he's trying to bring the game all the time smooth smooth with it so um so they end up drinking to the point the bar is closed out no one else is there but like probably sammy wiping down counters and she laments she missed her opportunity like she always wanted to work at this department store and she knows for a fact like they're not gonna hire a second colored girl there's a hundred people there they're not gonna hire a second colored woman to work there you know basically this girl was the diversity hire (laughs) they're not doing it again Uh um and so she's like you know this is what i've always wanted and it's kind of like a rat race for for black people and i know for a fact if i was in your skin you know white skin i wouldn't even have to run and this and when you rewatch the series and she's talking about skin you're like oh shit (laughs) <laughs> yeah okay yeah, that's that's a that's a good reaction to it that, that's okay okay that, that's what okay that's what happened all right so william just stares at her with them big blue eyes and ruby's like looking at him like it's not gonna happen white boy but we and already know the way she looking and she didn't have way too many drinks mm-hmm, it happens they go, get back to william's slash christina's pad 
and start stripping off their clothes and start breaking things. You know, she bleeds. He licks off her blood. I was like, what in the world? That that is nasty, but hot at the same time. Um, You know how we were talking about last episode, uncomfortable sex and, you know, counters and the bathroom and the bathroom. Oh, they were on the steps. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) yeah. You know, these sisters, you know, they're going to get it in, you know. It's, you know? I was like, so nobody does it in the bed anymore, huh? Y'all just a bathroom sink. No, this show, you got to keep moving. Their lives are fast paced, okay? You don't have time for this kind of things. I'm saying my back would hurt. I would, I am not going to be, have you ever tried laying on steps? I tried it. I was like, let me lay on these steps and see if I can get out of this. And I have carpeted you steps. Like, you don't okay. want to try it out the area. See, you gotta, yeah. you gotta like, see, I have never laid on steps, but I'm just saying these girls don't do anything typical and they got to keep it moving. Listen, they lives are in danger like every day. So you got to keep these scenes moving. I mean, I thought maybe me and my boo could try it out, but I was like, no, I'm going to hurt myself. I'm too old <laughs> yeah, for this. Yeah, listen, I would let that stay in Hollywood. I would not advise this, but okay, you know, okay. unless, you live in, unless you live in this Lovecraft life where you got to keep moving, I'm just saying, but I don't know All if right. I advise it. The bed it is. Um, so they're, <laughs> they're getting it in on the steps and a cover of Screaming Jay Hawkins, I Put a Spell on You, is actually a cover by Marilyn Manson. So I kind of like this, like, metal version yeah. of the song because you know she's with a white guy and he has like this tat this branded tattoo on his chest with horns like the devil's horns and when i think of heavy metal and marilyn manson i think of like the devil half the time anyway so it works out no offense to metal listeners i don't do we have i, I don't know if our audience is people that listen to metal but who knows we're all nerds right yeah um anyways let us, know. let us know hey if you listen to metal let us know let us know. Um, so yeah, I was in, this scene was it was hot. I was like, oh okay, yeah, and well, I mean, actually I'm gonna be honest though, like this took me this took me like this scene particularly. At first I was thinking I was confused about a lot of the villainy that was going on in huh. the show at this point. So all I kept thinking was I mean, you know, the scene was hot. William, you know, he throws on a swag and everything, but mm. I kept thinking I was like, Ruby, what are you doing? Like I kept thinking, I kept thinking the after effect of this. Right, and I was like We're nervous like, for her. I was like, I know you getting caught up in a moment. Who would you know? He got the eyes. He throwing in the swag and everything. But I was just like, oh my gosh, like what's gonna happen? Like I couldn't help my mind from thinking what she's doing. You know, in the time yeah. period. Oh, she's in, she's she's in you know the wolves, <laughs> the wolves den or the the lion's den. She's in there. You know, she's this is not going to end well. But I'm intrigued, and I did not think that William and Ruby would link up. Like I just didn't see that combo. Yeah, that's another thing too that I think threw me because I was like, I did not see this like affecting, um, you know, like Letty's family in a sense. You know what I mean? Like I didn't see this right. going this deep. So that's another thing that I think was in the back of my head. Why this like why this hot scene was going on? Why this was trying to distract you? I just think that in the back of my head it was still like, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? Because it's like more people are keep getting involved and it keeps getting deeper and deeper. Right, yeah. I never thought for a second that Ruby and William would cross paths. Like those two mat the the world of magic and the outside world. I didn't think it would collide. At least not with Ruby. Yeah. Um but I mean they introduced her for a reason into the series, right? Um she was a series regular, but right. I just, just wasn't expecting this path. But hey, yeah, I'm it, here it for was it. Definitely strange when it first happened. I mean, it makes sense when you finish everything, but at first I was just like, Oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? Because these sisters already have they don't really you know, they always have their clashes with each other. And then right. I was just like, oh my gosh, what is this going to do? And then you always hate the family because, you know, the family is always like at some point in some series leverage. So you're like, oh my God. 
You like don't don't do this because Lady already got enough problems. She already dropped enough f bombs. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it definitely was an interesting pairing, and it gets even more interesting as the series goes on. Um, but we're gonna get to this next Lovecraft fight, and I titled it in honor of Indiana Jones. I titled it "Tick and the Vault of Doom." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. Letty and Tick have an interesting exchange. Um, so it's revealed that they're heading to this museum in Boston, which is um, where they think Titus's vault is hidden. Mm-hmm. But I love this comedy and this this part when they're trying to like pack so the back of Woody, um, packing their bags for this road trip, and they're like like nudging each other and fighting each other. And Letty's like, "Let go!" And then he lets go, and then she like falls into the car. It's just funny. They're obviously still mad at each yeah, other. You know, so. a couple, you know, even when they're even when they're arguing. Yeah, they, they definitely have this hot exchange between them, hot heat <laughs> between them. And y'all can't even just for the hot scenes, okay? We're just going to put this hot. out here. Look how it was for the hot, hot scenes. There's more hot scenes. Gross, but hot. Um, <laughs> Montrose inadvertently invited Dee and Hip on this trip, um, and Tick isn't really happy about it. And, you know, Montrose is like, y'all not going to be happy about this. But, like, what can Montrose he do? Don't help with nothing. Come on now, Montrose. He just don't help. I'm just going to put that. I mean, he had me laugh in this episode, but I was like, come on, Montrose. But, like, what can you do? They're, they had to use Hip, Hippolyta's car. And she's obviously going to be like, well, where y'all go on my car? And when she figured out it was a museum, she was excited because they had a really amazing astronomy section. So she's taking D. I mean, I feel like after all they've gone through, this is going to be a nice little trip for them to kind of get their minds off of George. So I was like, okay. And um, they end up having even more guests because Tree <laughs> pops in on them. And yeah, you know guy. he has to go to Boston, so instead of just spending money on a on a bus ticket, he's just gonna ride along with them. And Hippolyta's Hippo like, "Jump in, go ahead." So they get to Boston, which is like a fifteen hour drive. The group splits up. D and Hip head to the astronomy exhibit. Montrose meets up with a museum guard that was expecting him, and Tick and Luddy are left to explore with Tree. And Tree's all like, "They got dinosaurs." <laughs> Just a big old child. Um, and so, like, they, you know, Tick kind of, like, leaves, like, whatever, man. We're not going to look at dinosaurs. Because they're really here to find out where the vault is. So Titus has, like, this whole section devoted to him and his his exploits and what he's done. So they head over that way. So as they're walking, uh, Tree's like, hey, Letty, you want to know why they call me Tree? Everybody got two legs, but I got Tree. I'm like, boy, bye. <laughs> I'm like, Tree, why are you on the trip? Bye. You know your name is Tree because you tall. So Letty's like, shouldn't I know about that already? You know, since we fucked in high school, Seymour. And I was like, oh, snap. I see why his name is Tree. Because <laughs> his name is Seymour. Bye, Seymour. Oh yeah, that guy's a so, so Hip and D are uh, they look up the stars in the indoor planetarium. Um, Hippolyta shows D the comet named Hera's chariot, which we learned that Hip is the one that named it. But the credit went to a white astronomer's child because they didn't want a, a colored girl to be the face of this naming contest. Um, and in the books, yeah, I did my research. In the book, it wasn't a, a comet; it was Pluto that Hippolyta named. Um, 
Yeah, see, and I then, I'm I'm going back now on the on the I don't know. I'm gonna have to get back to you on all this. I don't think I've gotten to the astrology part of this yet. That's why I said I think they're combining a lot of these chapters. Okay. But I'm gonna have to find out. So you you got me excited because I want to know about this. Yeah, so in the book, um, she did name Pluto, but the credit the credit was given to Venetia Bernie, who in real life is given credit. She was an eleven year old girl that came up with the name for Pluto. At the time, it, it's not a planet anymore, but at the time, it was this new planet X. And this little eleven year old girl said, "Oh, Pluto," and being that Hippolyta is kind of like this genius, um, it would be interesting to know if you know Venetia Bernie truly named. Pluto but yeah. I'm not going to take away her credit but it is interesting I mean in general a lot of times black people's discoveries are credited to their right. white yeah. counterparts that's why I didn't see so, that far to me yeah because I'm like you know yeah. always somebody else ain't credit right exactly but shout out to Venetia Bernie yep. little cute uh, white girl out in Europe that named Pluto um, <laughs> so uh, Dean and Hip and, you know later 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 on in this episode Dean and Hippolyta return home without the crew Um and Dean notes that it's weird, and we'll get to why it's weird, why they're leaving without them. But while they're driving, Hippolyta notices Dee has George's book, and she sees this map that essentially leads to Artem. So obviously Hippolyta knows that the way George died is not the way that is the way that they describe George died is not the way that he truly died, and she wants right. answers. So she had they're in Boston, right? Artem is in Massachusetts. She heads on that way. So back at the museum, they're given a tour. This is while it was open. They're given a tour of Titus's exhibit and how he obtained the many artifacts from Africa, you know, and exchanged them for helping the savages become civilized. Imperialism much? <laughs> like, like, we haven't heard this story yeah. before about savages. No, you guys came to our, our continent, our homeland, and stole our people and our our, our our heirlooms, our culture, and displayed it in museums for white people to look at. So there's that. Uh-huh. Um, okay, okay, I'm gonna get off that. That, that subject. <laughs> hey, you know, get your two cents. Put that in there. I'm getting real like Killmonger like. Um, so let me just uh, take a step back. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> you need a little Killmonger. You know, got throw that in there a little bit. A little bit. Shout out to Michael B. Jordan. You know, that's Bay. Uh, <laughs> Never let him go. So T confronts Tick on on telling on him, you know, about him claiming that he slept with Letty. Um, but he's like, it's cool. I, I get it. It's payback for me sending you back there to, to to catch Sammy in the act. And Tick is like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm just there. You haven't noticed how close, you know, your father and Sammy are. And Tick is like, I'm I'm not no sissy. My dad's not no sissy. And I noticed that a lot of people in some of the groups I am were kind of offended by that comment, um, people that were in the LGBTQ community. Um, but I don't think in any way that Tick is homophobic. I think just for the times, you know, someone that isn't heterosexual, you know, you're going to be looked at a, a certain way. You're going to be side-eyed. And uh, Tick's use of the word sissy is Far lighter than another word he could use, but you just have to put yourself in that time frame. Um, and, yeah. and Tick isn't and, perfect. Yeah, and Tick and Montrose, as you like, you kind of see it unfold. They have other issues that make a lot of this stuff harder for him. You know, like exactly. like the way Montrose just carries himself. Period. Like just frustrates you a lot when you when you talk about the father son relationship, where you're just like, come on, Montrose, you can figure this out. You can do it. But it like right. it takes him a little bit to get there and under and you know, Tick is like. 
you know, we all know Tick is stubborn and going to do what Tick's going to do. So it's just very hard to see them like always bumping heads and trying to understand mm-hmm. each other. And on top of that, you know, Tick now has a revelation that George might have been his father all along. So Right, that too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. So, but not to excuse what was said, but just consider the times. So, um, after speaking with the guard, which at this point, now that Tree has shed light on the fact that Montrose might be into men, um, he's side eyeing the conversation with the guard. Like, why is the guard trying to help you out? It's kind of alluded to that something might have happened for him to convince the guard to help him out. Right. But that's neither here nor there. And as as Tick said earlier in the episode, you know, what Sammy does is Sammy's business. So what Montrose does in his mind is Montrose's business. But I guess in the case that's his dad, you know, it's like, uh, do I want to know? I don't know. So right, yeah. they, they discovered the guard is going to actually let them sneak in through the back that night. They have to find the vault before the ne- next security shift. So they discovered the vault after the moonlight reveals the tooth of a... It looks like it was like a raptor or something underneath of Titus's statue. So they, they hit the tooth and a door opens inside of the statue, which leads them down into a chamber. So Tick is the first one to scale it down. He goes down, he looks up and in, I guess it's like a hole. So in the hole around it and and painted is a a warning and it's basically saying like this journey to the center um i'm sorry <laughs> Tex when he gets down there he's like this is some journey to the center of the earth type of shit which <laughs> i thought was funny yeah it's very that was very hilarious i was like oh you was thinking the same thing yeah and when he gets when he looks up he sees the warning which says beware all those who tread this path a tide shall rise and then he looks down there's dust he clears it and he sees a compass so at this point he calls up to Letty and Montrose like hey we need that map which was displayed within the museum and of course you know Letty she 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 TTG she trains to go she she don't play around so she smashes the display to get the map and Montrose is like come on I promised the girl we wouldn't destroy anything and Letty's like okay bump that so she scales down the rope like angrily too like y'all need to get out of the way right and then the funniest part of the episode was Montrose <laughs> going down this rope he's like shit 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 uh, uh, I'm too over this shit uh, uh. and then he like falls so he's like I got it I'm good I thought that was I love. let me tell you something if they ever do a journey to the center can they please put Montrose in it if they ever do another one because <laughs> I was dying I was laughing so hard I was like if this, would this be what it's like if they do have like one of these movies and it's like all black people because I was laughing my butt off I was like this is so funny I'm Montrose though. Like I'm getting old and I'm not as athletic as I used to be. So I will be <laughs> Montrose. Like shit, shit, shit. Like they never show. And I thought it was so cool of them to do that because it's like when you see these movies, you know, Journey to the Center Earth, these other movies like this, the adventure sort of thing, they mm. don't ever show you, they don't ever show you that part where it's like, well, maybe you're not gonna all the way make it down there like that. You know, like you in just the best shape. And it's like right. you're gonna make this thing happen. So I just thought right. it was so cool of them to do it. That is so funny. Yeah, and then everyone had their own personal way of doing it. So, you know, Tick the hero goes down, and then right, Letty right. the angry, crazy one angrily goes down, and, and then Montrose is Montrose. Um, <laughs> so they end up in this big chamber. It's all these different tunnels. Presumably, um, quote me if I'm wrong here, it's the number of lodges in the country. Um, so the idea is that every tunnel leads to another lodge. 
yeah, not sure. That's what, I was, that's what I was taking out of it. Yeah. I mean, we know the order is involved in everything. So. Right, right, right. Yeah. So that was what I thought. And I mean, it kind of, and upon rewatching a lot of what happened made sense because I was like, how are they in Chicago and Boston? Like, yeah, it, it, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Magic has something to do with it. So, um, they only have two hours before the tide. So they reach, you know, they reach the great chasm. They go through this tunnel and they end up at the end, at, at the edge of this great chasm, um, with nothing but a wooden plank to the other side. I don't know about you, but I would just turn back at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. That can be me. I'm not playing no games. Um, so they tie each other together. Letty's supposed to go first, but Letty is like, I don't know about all this. Like, are you sure this knot is going to hold? And if I plunge to my death and Montrose tells this great story <laughs> about how the knot is going to hold because he taught it to tick and his father taught it to him all the way back, back, back to an ancestor that was a slave who was in charge of tying up the horses. And this is a knot that he used. And if the horses ever got free, he will be whipped. But when he was freed from the plantation, he walked off with not one lash mark. Um, and Tick, you know, is like, as as Letty is like, uh, she's reassured and she's confident. She decides to go through through with it. Um, as she's walking off, Tick is like, uh, the freemans were never slaves. And he's like, well, she believed me, didn't oh, she? So wrong, so wrong. <laughs> so wrong. Um, so they say, so Letty goes and then she stops suddenly. So Tick thinks she like fell or lost her nerve, but in reality, it's a booby trap. You know, you're not going to go to a secret on the ground vault and not encounter booby traps. Um, so it's this giant blade going back and forth, but it's going pretty slowly. So Tick convinces her to jump just in time. Like, you know, you got to time it. She jumps across and then we hear Montrose yelling because the plank starts to disappear. So I was like, come on, give them a break. Give them a break. So Tick runs back to get Montrose. Montrose is like, oh my gosh, it's going. He's like, you got to jump. He's like, you better catch me, boy. So he jumps. <laughs> my Tick catches him. When he throws the bag first. I was like, y'all got to be kidding me right now. Yeah, throw the bag, they catch it. I would die. Just take me. I'm not jumping and, and, and balancing myself. It's not happening. So they jump, and they're basically going against time. They time it, they jump over the blade, then they get to the end of it, and they're up against this wall with a door, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how are they going to make it? And it's very Lord of the Rings-ish. Because mm-hmm. um, remember when they were like trying to get into the minds of Moria, and there was like this riddle to open the yeah, door? Yeah, those are the words. Like, you like right on the brink of like your death, and they just like, oh, you got time for a riddle? Yes, yep, yep, yep. But it turns out, good thing Montrose read that book because it's the whole like Adam named Eve fucked, monsters were brought forth, you know, God brought monsters, monsters devoured Eve, God smites Eve. Yeah. So it was all that. You know, Montrose knew it, smote. Montrose knew it. um, (laughs) And they they get in there and it's flooded with water, but they made it. They're like, whoo! And I love like Montrose. It's like he's fired up. He's like, yes, you see that jump boy? Jesse ain't got nothing on me. And he's talking about um, Jesse Owens, the the famous um, track star. So I was like, okay, y'all, y'all got it. But it's flooded in there. And, you know, Luddy's like, what's going on? What's happening? He's like, look, we only have like an hour before we all drown because the moon is bringing forth the tide. So we got to keep moving. So I was like, okay. Um, and also they can swim. That's a that's a plus because I sure can't. Yeah, she's um, getting it in that water. I was like, whoo, 
See, that's when it really couldn't have been me. Like, right. maybe, you know, maybe you kind of make it through the rest of them, but that water, I was like, mm-mm. Yeah. And, like, Tick is kind of, like, suspicious. She's like, how do you know so much? Like, you knew that riddle. And, you know, Montrose confesses that he had the book um, from the Order of the Dawn, but he burned it. And he's like, I want to protect you guys. Like, I'm not I'm not here to help you kill yourselves. I'm only here because you guys won't stop asking me. So Tick is pissed off. He's like, I can't trust you. And Letty's just like, F this. I'm walking off. So she walks away. But then she discovers the body of her neighbor, one of the white guys that went missing last episode. So that's when I was like, hold up. They're in Boston. How did his body end up there when they're oh, from Chicago? Okay. Um... I was like, and then I discovered the elevator, the elevator that is the same elevator from Letty's house. So I'm like, that's when I was like, okay, so maybe it's magical and all these chambers lead. Mm. um, Yeah, see, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, the the body, I didn't even think about the elevator. That's a good point, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, every chamber leads to a tunnel, which is basically underneath each lodge. So I guess through magic, you can access the center, which is this museum with Titus's vault. So that's what that's the only way I can explain as to why Letty's elevator ended up in Boston. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the you know, Tick is like, that's the elevator, go home. And she's like, No, I'm not going home. You keep thinking everything's happening to you. Like Montrose was kidnapped. I almost died. It's not about you. We go and truck on. And she just goes. Um, and they ended up finding yet another door that needs to be opened. And it has this giant key with an arm in it. And one can only assume that is Hiram's arm because he obviously was trying to look for the missing pages. He had the wrong key. So Tick takes a chance, puts his ring on from the order, puts his hand into the key and it takes its blood, his blood, and his blood is the key to opening this door. Then there's this trap door that opens up and then you see like a hanging ladder. They climb through the hanging ladder and they're inside of a ship. So this whole time there was, they, this is just like the Goonies. There was a ship in a cave with dead bodies all in it. Right. Uh, so Goonies. <laughs> so they're surrounded by the dead bodies of the people of the Arawak and they're the indigenous people of the Caribbean. Um, I'm actually part Arawak because the Arawak people or many peoples, but the Tainos are also are walking uh-huh. and my grandmother has a lot of Taino blood in her in her in her well she's Puerto Rican so yeah so I was like oh, oh my people cool. yeah represent it but they find the pages on a table I guess in the, like the captain's hold and there's a there's what appears to be a woman laying there but she's also dead right uh-huh. and they go to reach for the pages and what appears to be a woman awakens um, and I really, 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 really love this character. Um, it's actually, uh, or they are actually a two-spirit person um, named Yahima. Uh, it's pl- and played by Monique Candelaria, who's also non-binary. In this case, um, just to give you guys a little background, two-spirit beings are essentially what we would consider in today as intersex. So, and used to be called hermaphrodites but the term is intersex and there it's it's a person with 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 both male and female genitalia um and in this case yahima had both and you see it in the episode um and montrose was kind of like what are you but when people went back and said that tick was homophobic for saying sissy i also pointed out 
Tick was very sensitive and very caring towards Yahima. And instead of saying, what are you? He corrected Montrose and said, who are you? Um, And Yahima identified themselves as Yahima. Um, So Montrose is kind of like looking at Yahima trying to figure out what's happening. And so was Letty. Like, this is interesting. Like, this was a body that came to life. And then you're seeing a two-spirit person. I don't think many people have ever seen a two-spirit person, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah it's, it's so, very, yeah. yeah, it's very cool how they put in this little, um, yeah, like I said, the adventure side, plus making you very aware of what's going on in society, making you question about how you judge people, what you do when you see them at the beginning. is It's very interesting how they tie all that together. Yeah, and in indigenous cultures, if you guys aren't aware, uh, two-spirited people are actually honored and revered because they're essentially both male and female. Mm-hmm. Um, so Yahima held a special place within their tribe. Um, and I'm going to to respect Yahima and also the actor that plays Yahima, um, refer to them as they. Um, in the script, the mm-hmm. pronoun was Z. Um, so they, them... Is, is what I'm going to refer to as Yahima because Yahima is two spirits. So Yahima tells them that they um, understood the language of Adam as many of the symbols were in the cave near Yahima's home. The cave is called Alumun uh, Kandi. Uh, so Titus was on a was basically on a hunt for someone that could translate these pages. And Yahima agreed to help Titus, but Yahima was not aware that Titus was not to be trusted until Titus's true nature was revealed. And at that point, Yahima said, I'm not helping you. So as a result of that, Yahima was punished. Uh, Titus had previously promised to unite them with, with their family. And instead, he, he honored that promise, but he punished Yahima. He slaughtered, killed Yahima's family, and trapped Yahima in this vault for a, over like 100 years. Um just because she, you know, they, excuse me, they refuse to, to translate these pages. So all this is being said as, as Tick is, is listening to Yahima's story. And Tick is the only one that can understand the language of Adam, which is also uh, very similar to Yahima's native tongue. So I really enjoyed this scene. Um, so Tick is like, look, I need your help. I'm not like Titus. Um, I'm trying to stop people like him from hurting my people and so Yahima's like I admit you are not like your forefathers but I don't know your spirit and I cannot help you and they appear to like lose all hope and just sit down at this desk and drops its head or their their head and um, Montrose like F this grabs the pages but it's a booby trap obviously if if you take the pages away from Yahima at, at, at its rightful place, uh, you're going to set off a booby trap. So the ship starts to implode. And of course, there's a huge flood. There, It's a mad dash or mad swim back to the elevator, which they know leads back home. Somehow the pages get lost and Letty, true to form, saves the day. She grabs the pages, goes back to the elevator, safe and sound, and her and Tick kiss. And you're just like, oh. Yeah, I was like, finally, because, yeah, they were going. And by the way, too, I thought earlier, too, mentioning their kiss and everything, I thought it was cool to see um, Montrose and Tick have, like, a little bit of a moment uh, where he was kind of describing, like, his relationship with Tick's mom and everything. I thought that was a really really cool moment. Yeah, and I also want to go back to a little behind the scenes. Um, The actor that plays Yahima, uh, Monique Candelaria, Mm -hmm. wasn't a very strong swimmer. And Mm -hmm. so they had to excuse me they had to train for a couple oh, weeks wow. 
yeah, so to do this scene, um, I think Journey Smollett was already a strong swimmer, but uh, but that scene was very intense for everybody involved because they're like underwater in a tank. Nice. Uh, okay. Know. Cool. So, swimming for the their life. Yeah, put in the work. So they kiss, and then Montrose at this point isn't being such an asshole and checks in on Yahima and asks them if they're okay. And Yahima opens their mouth to speak, and you hear like this cry, but it's not like a typical scream. It's like sonic um and we later learned that yahima was cursed that if they left the vault um they would be a siren so they couldn't translate the pages for anybody because they couldn't speak right so um later on we see they're back in the house uh tickets looked after yahima you know they're dry they're eating they seem to be at peace uh tick is very hopeful that He'll convince them to come around and he wants to teach them English and it might be helpful in order to translate these pages. Um, And so, you know, he's talking to Montrose about all these things. They're looking on watching Yahima and Montrose is like, you know, you turn out to be a great man despite me, you know, and your mother would be very proud. And Tick appears to be touched by this and kind of like shrugs it off and goes to his room and I, I kind of regret the fact that he did this because yeah. it left Yahima and Montrose alone. And so it looks like, you know, Montrose is there just to have a conversation. You know, obviously Yahima is literally a fish out of water in this new world with a new language in, in a modern context. And Yahima's over probably like 100 years old. Um, so I'm like, okay. But then like the, the tone changes, the music changes. And Montrose closes the door, locks it, walks over to Yahima, puts his hand on their shoulder, leans down and says, I'm sorry. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not good. And slits Yahima's throat. Mm. I was like, are you serious? Yeah, Montrose is, yeah. I, I just like, I, I, it's so many things with him because I under, I see why he's, he's trying to protect the family way he thinks he knows how, but I just also think you have to be open to other parts. When you're in a situation like this, you got to take every side. Like it's right. not, it's not necessarily okay to just bulldoze through everything. You're like, okay, I'm going to burn this. Um, you know, I'm going to get rid of this. I'm going to move this over here. And then we're going to be cool and we're going to be straight. No, it's like other factors in there. Like when George gave you that responsibility, he wasn't saying just have one side of mine and cut everything out. Like you got to find a way to take everybody's side and make sure you're actually safe. Not you're just, you know, you're ruining somebody else's life. You're killing, you're murdering people. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And then we'll dose through everything. And in this case, that hurt because Yahima was innocent. Mm, Yahima had nothing to do with this and if anything Yahima could help so he took the life of an innocent person to further his plan and you could say oh he was justified he wanted to save his family but I honestly it kind of goes back to the uh, the whole thing about God bringing forth monsters and in this case Montrose was monstrous he murdered Yahima Um, and another thing is like there could have been like I feel like an opportunity was missed and it was kind of brought up that Yahima was such an interesting character. They yeah, could have been say that. Yep, I agree with that. You know, yeah. better in the show. I was mm-hmm. I actually thought Yahima would be in more episodes. I'm like, oh, this is such a cool character. I've never seen an indigenous person bet- portrayed this way. Um, I do know an American Tower, I mean American Tower, excuse me, American Gods, there was a there was a character, um, her last name was Youngblood. I forgot her first name, but mm. she had mentioned two spirits, and she's yeah. mentioned two spirits because she was bisexual. But in this case, um, 
Yahima was truly two spirit, male and female. So you don't really see any, I've never really seen intersex representation in television. So to see that character kind of like violently um, murdered and a lot of people were kind of triggered by Yahima's death because it seems like yet another barrier gaze trope um, where LGBTQ characters are killed or murdered or experience violence um, to further the plot of heterosexual characters. Um, and in this case, this is a show about black minorities, uh, black people, and then Yahima is a minority and it, it was like violence inflicted on another minority character. So I don't think that was the intent, but that's how it came across to a lot of viewers um, in the LGBTQ community. And Misha Green actually addressed this. You know, she said, like, I missed an opportunity with Yahima's character and I wish I, I had gone about it differently. So it's it's kind of refreshing to see someone like take the feedback from their audience and say, like, I should have done better. Um, but it in general, it was nice to see this character at all. You know, it made me research two-spirited people um, yeah. outside of just the technical intersex thing, just knowing that they were in indigenous cultures and they were just these honored beings that were healers. And I don't know, I thought it was pretty cool. So would have loved to see more of Yahima. Kind of sad that they were killed, but maybe, you know, they can be brought back. The show is based on magic if we get a season two. So... Yeah, it was, and it was like I like you said, it was cool of of Misha Green to go ahead and explain that because yeah, you don't because that's one of the first things when you first um finished out reading that what I was gonna say about um about Yahima was that they essentially could have left they essentially could have left that part just alone if they were gonna do that to me because right. there was no way to it didn't really wrap in like what everybody's the feedback it didn't really if you as you continue it doesn't really wrap back in. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. that as like like they're saying further another head or such a character because I guess it gives you another reason to wonder what exactly is going on in Montrose's head, right? But it doesn't. But really... at the expense of an innocent, right? Yeah, so. it just because I'm like, yeah, it 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 did not explain to me. It did not further anything where they could have not just not had it, and so it was good right. for her to just say, okay, let me go ahead and go ahead and acknowledge that. Hey, I could have did this differently. This was an interesting character that I should have played up more because yeah, I thought it was gonna have. Even though I hated to see that ending, I thought there was going to be more of a consequence or more of a, you know, maybe it's going to be a piece they're missing once they get to the final part mm-hmm. because of that. Yeah. 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 It was kind of abrupt, but, you know, shout out to Monique Candelaria for portraying mm-hmm. that character yeah, yeah, yeah. and even for that character to be written on the show in mm-hmm. general to give some type of rep- representation. I-, I thought that was awesome. Yeah. That was some great acting. Yeah, absolutely. So that kind of wraps our recap. Um, We will be back next month with another episode. This time we're going to kind of really tackle um, being in someone else's skin. Uh, Episode five. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, episode five is titled Strange Case. So we're definitely going to talk about it. But in the meantime, let us know your thoughts on this episode, A History of Violence. Get at us on Twitter um i don't know my twitter can you uh, tell people your twitter (laughs) (laughs) i'm at november bear i changed it i changed it i see i didn't know that see look i haven't even been followed because i didn't know okay i'm at angie the da cool nerd so angie the cool nerd on twitter and you can also catch us on at black girl nerds at Black Girl Geeks and at BGN Podcast. Nice. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and we'll see you soon. Bye.
Happy holidays. Bye. Happy holidays. Bye. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.